Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I am your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I am very excited about these guests I have on my program. I'm like super stoked because these are members of like one of my favorite churches in the whole wide world, the Church of Jesus Christ. But before I get there, got to do some shameless promoting. Okay, MormonBookReviews.com is the merch store. You buy these nice hats. We got hoodies. We actually have vinyl seat covers for your car that you can buy for Mormon Book Reviews. It's crazy. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're selling um, iPad cases and all these kind of cool things. And so we decided to make our website into a merch store, and that worked out very well for us. So we're very excited about that. Um, I just want to thank everybody. I just got back from Mormon History Association last week, and also Nauvoo, Illinois. I got to participate in the archaeological dig in Nauvoo and got to participate with the Mormon History Association out in Logan, Utah. I met some wonderful people. Actually, it uh, looks like I might get a new sponsor for the program as a result of my trip out there, so I'm very excited about that. Um, okay, well, I think that's enough about me and my channel and my merch and all that good stuff. Um, also, though, just real quick, for those of you, my Patreons and PayPal supporters, I want to thank you, and if you're interested in supporting the channel financially, there will be links in the description. So I have two guests here, Josh Gailey and Alfonso Hopkins. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be with you again. So uh, this is cool because my audience probably is familiar with Josh. We actually had a fantastic episode in which you were uh, talking about the, basically using the same apologetic arguments in favor of the resurrection that also can be used in many ways more forcefully, more, a stronger argument made in favor of the coming forth of the Book of Mormon than can be made of the resurrection. And as a matter of fact, you were just, you just sent me a PDF the other day of a book that you hope to have published later this summer called Witness. Well, just you tell me the book. Tell me about the book you got coming out. What's the name of it? Sounds great. And thanks again for having us on. The book is Witnessing Miracles, Evidence for the Resurrection and the Book of Mormon. And okay. so really it's based on our first conversation, Blown Up Times 100, with a lot more details, a lot of the citations, a lot of the information. But I in a in a light way take readers through the historiography of evaluating two miracles from history and comparing the miracle of the resurrection with the miracle of the coming forth of the book of mormon and even compare the gospel side by side which was kind of the end point of our first conversation i think yeah that's really cool so basically i'm going to have you back in august when the, when the book's going to come out and so it's actually going to be published by your church publishing arm and people will be able to purchase it via Amazon. So I'm very excited about that. And I think you're going to be regular LDS folk. You're going to get orders from Salt Lake City. You're going to be really interested in hearing about this book. So I'm very excited about that prospect. Now, Afonso, uh, I, I just met you about 10 minutes ago here on the Zoom call. And you are the most recently ordained apostle in the church. Is that correct? Evangelist. Evangelist. I'm sorry. Evangelist. Okay. My apologies. And so uh, tell me a little bit about your history with the church. Uh, how, were you born in the church or were you a convert? And uh, just tell me a little bit about your relationship with your yeah. church. I would pretty much say I was born because uh, my interactions with the church was about when I was about five years old. So I have no uh, vivid mem memory of any church uh, prior to uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. So I'm originally from Quincy, Florida, and uh, my mom was introduced to the church by my grandmother. Uh, so my mom is pretty much... Uh, a woman of God, one that pretty much uh, made us go to church. You know, in my mom's house, you go to church, you wake up, you go. So um, I was about 13 years old when one morning my mom 
didn't wake me up. So I'm like, oh, wow, I get to go watch football today. So anyway, uh, it's just something felt weird. I felt that if I didn't get up and go to church, something bad would happen. So I jumped up, put my clothes on, knocked on the neighbor's door. Neighbors took me to church. And to me, that was the first time I had my first personal relationship with Christ. So it wasn't no more serving God uh, for my mom. I actually began to serve God for myself. So uh, I've been active in the church ever since. I was baptized when I was about 17 years old, uh, ordained and uh, uh, deacon in 2018, ordained an elder in uh, 20, uh, 1999, I'm sorry. Uh, so my made about four or five missionary trips to Africa, made a, uh, two missionary trips to Dominica. So very active in our church. Wow. So your did you say your mom your mom was a convert to the church? Is that correct? Uh yes, through my grandmother. And what church was your oh, so your grandmother converted and then your mom converted? Exactly. Uh from oh, Baptist. Wow. From Baptist. From Baptist. Okay, great. So now I was the last seven summers I spent in northern Florida, uh in near Live Oak. And okay. I, I I always wanted to try to last two summers, I wanted to get out to the Quincy congregation. I just didn't have the opportunity. And that's okay. primarily an African-American congregation. Exactly. Yes. So that's really cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah. You, Shout out to Sister B because she is wonderful. Shout out to Sister B. She She's wonderful. She's she a matriarch is. down there. She is. That's, actually, a, that's uh, Brother Al's mom. Yes. Awesome. And actually, uh, we have uh, one of our elders is Brother Horace Huggins. He's a, um, a Caucasian brother. And um, he has, uh, he was a big part of the work. He's from uh, Bluntstown, which is about 25 miles uh, from Quincy, but actually um, he was in a, in a, uh, a city where uh, it wasn't so friendly. Uh, so it's, I want to say segregated, but it was part of segregation. And I'm actually um, doing the setup of the church uh, there in Quincy. Uh, he was real active in the church and actually um, the KKK uh, visited his home uh, because of his interaction with the church. And um, they say, you know, uh, around here, uh, we like fires. And um, he was bold. He said, well, I know how to strike a match as well. So he was one of those type of persons that he he stood for what was right. And we love him. Wow. Wow, that's fascinating to me. That's great. Um, yeah, so I just want to welcome you, Alfonso, to the program. This is very exciting to have this conversation. And so basically, you know, Josh and I have been talking about him coming back onto the program. The first time you came on, it was very well received. Uh, Becky Tarbuck, of course, her conversation, the conversation I had with her, with Arlene Buffington's Songs of Zion. Now, folks, just to give you a refresher course, this is the Church of Jesus Christ, based in Monagahilla, Pennsylvania. Um, William Bickerton was, quote unquote, one of their, their founding prophets, although they would say Joseph Smith was their founding prophet, but he was the one who reorganized their church and was their prophet seer and revelator. And I had Daniel Stone on, um, did a nice conversation with him about William Bickerton, a great book. And great human being. William Bickerton is one of my heroes of the restoration. And I also say I'm so cool because you guys gave me this leather bound. Josh personally gave me this leather bound version of the Book of Mormon. And it's yours. And one thing I like about it is very easy to read. I like the text. You also have the red letter edition, which is, so the words of Christ are in red, which is really awesome. And I think that's indicative of the Christ centeredness of your church and how um, we can find a lot in common with you. Um, just to, I just have a quick question off the top of my head about this Book of Mormon. Are, what edition, 
uh, Josh or Alphonse, if you want to chime in, is this the 18, are you, you're using the 1837 text, the 1840 text is the basis of your translation or are you using the 1830? It's, it's later than the 1830. <clears throat> it actually is probably, I probably from the 1870s. So okay. what would have happened would have been our first Book of Mormon would have been printed at the turn of the, the century, heading into the, the 20th century. And when we did that, they would have used the Book of Mormon that they had available at the time. And so that's what's carried over. So actually, we I love the work of the Critical Text Project and a lot of the work of restoring the original language and think that's something that we ought to look at one day. But as of right now, ours actually gets a little bit later in the 1800s as far as what ours would match up with. Okay, so not like in the, somebody else's. Before, like, let's say in the mid 1800s, were you guys basically using the Salt Lake-based Book of Mormon? Yeah, exactly. They were using book, Books of Mormon that they had available at the time in front of their hands. And then finally, the, I mean, if you think in the 1860s, we had like one congregation at the start of the 1860s, right? So there wasn't that many members. And as it grew in the 1800s, then it finally, as it's spreading into like what today is West Virginia, but even back then was just Virginia mm -hmm. and spreading into all these different places. That was really when the church began to look at having its first print. And shortly after that, Italian wasn't far behind it, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, it was because so many converts were coming in from, as we talked about last episode, so many were from Pittsburgh and, and from Italian immigrants. Yeah, I love those Italian Pentecostals in, in our tradition and in yours. I know you don't use Pentecostal, but you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, we, we celebrate the faith of it, though. Yep. <laughs> so... Um, you know, so basically, Josh and I, we were talking about different things we could do about the channel. And I really love the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're, you know, so I feel a real kinship with y'all. And, uh, and, and Josh had brought up about, let's have a conversation about some of the miracles of our church. Uh, things that have happened perhaps in your history, but also are currently happening in your church. Talk about how the Holy Spirit is moving in your church today and how uh, you believe that your church is being used as a kind of a latter-day beacon of hope in these, in these days. Um, and so, uh, Josh, why don't we just, uh, maybe why don't you just kick it off and kind of give me an example of maybe how the Lord is working in your church. This sounds great, and I think it's reflective, and hopefully today this spirit comes across as we're discussing. I think one of the great blessings of the Church of Jesus Christ is when you're traveling around and you're visiting different locations, you might be sitting in somebody's home, a meal served, and all of a sudden you're round table and you're talking about the things of God. And you hear about how God's working with so-and-so and blessings that have happened in their life. And, you know, honestly, Brother Alfonso was just ordained as an evangelist last weekend. Guess what we did Saturday night? 50, 60 people were over at, at uh, his in-law's house and everybody's surrounding and under the canopies and we prayed off the rain and the rain stayed off and we just spent the evening together sharing the things of God, sharing the miracles, sharing the blessings. It wasn't structured in this great, amazing, formal way. It was just the Lord speaking to us and feeling the blessings of God working. And you know, as you even mentioned right there, Stephen, it's like the conversation today, I think at least online and in a lot of places can get dominated by doubt and can get dominated by critique. And that has its place. I think there's room for healthy skepticism 
and those conversations to take place. And I welcome those things as long as we can be on the other side and say, well, wait, can I, can we share a little bit about what God has done in our life, in my life and have a candid conversation about that. And so that's the goal of today. This conversation isn't meant to be, well, oh, look at these miracles and all of a sudden Josh is getting puffed up or this or that. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Tonight, we glorify Jesus Christ. He's my savior. He saved my soul. You know, the greatest miracle in this room, Stephen, is God pulling you out of the abyss. And some of those things that you've shared on this channel and other channels, that miracle is as great as anything we're going to talk about tonight. And we praise God for those miracles. And yes, we're talking about miracles. We're talking about things God has done. It astounds us. It amazes us. We are unworthy of his blessings. And so, yes, we're going to talk about some things that go that are wow to us of what God has done. But it's not to build us up. It's to glory and praise and honor the name that we are unworthy of. But one day we will stand before our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. So, I love it. That's the, that's the backdrop and the feeling. And I'm going to, let me just maybe just funnel it to brother Al cause, and uh, I'll go straight to the mission field. Okay. Because brother Alfonso has had an incredible experience and I'll, I'll lead you brother Al and then I'll pass the baton and you take it wherever you want to brother, but you have seen the dead raised and I would love for you to share it. First of all, Brother Josh, even just um, we read the word of God and um, the word of God says some things that are that are bold. And um, it's one in particular when uh, Peter and John was at the gate called Beautiful. And we remember the story and um, Peter said, look on us. And the word of God says this man looked expecting to receive something of them. And that day was just pretty much uh uh, change, but yet and still, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Lazarus, rise up and walk. And um, that's is expecting. And I think, um, especially Brother Josh mentioned the, fish, the missionary fields. And when we go as ministers, I've learned uh, on my first visit that we think that we're really going to take a blessing to a people that stand in need. <laughs> I was totally uh, wrong we received the blessing uh, from top to bottom. And um, I believe Amen. that the Lord magnifies us because we go uh, in a sense of with nothing. We are mere men uh, called of God. We are unpaid ministry. It's not about money, silver and gold. We go because God has called us to do a job. And um, this particular time, I think it was maybe my second trip, was myself and Brother Lyle Criscola, Brother uh, Wilson. We was uh, meeting at one of uh, our villages and um, what happened is usually we, after our order of service, you know, the word of God says uh, meetings are conducted by the manners of the workings of the spirit. So we really don't have a set order. Usually we, you know, we preach. When we have Sunday school, preach. Uh, then we'll uh, have testimony going communion. That's usually the, how we set it up, but really however the spirit directs us. But I know this particular man and woman came in while doing a preaching service. And um, we can tell that the woman was pretty much ill. And um, if we were prompted by the spirit, you know, in a situation, we would, we would stop a meeting and call somebody up for, to prayer. 
And our brother Wilson, he's usually our translator, but he was actually speaking. And um, this this lady, you can tell that she was in turmoil. And uh, after about 15 minutes of them being there, and of course, you know, we don't have air conditioners. We're sitting there uh, in an overcrowded church, uh, windows open, and it was extremely hot. And um, she ended up passing out. And she died because, you know, uh, she's a dark-skinned woman. And when her face turned white, uh, you know, that's not good. And um, immediately we, uh, we stopped the service and uh, uh, some brothers carried her outside under a tree. And um, we're in a situation where we can't call a doctor. We can't call 911. We pretty much had to call upon the Lord. And um, Brother Wilson uh, asked us to give him, give him the oil. And we usually carry a small uh, bottle of oil in our pocket. And I think it was Brother Lyle pulled out a bottle of oil and Brother Wilson uh, says, brothers, uh, we're going to pray uh, that the Lord will raise this woman up. These are the words that he said. And he anointed her, put the oil upon her head, and he said a prayer. And I remember the words he said was, in the name of Jesus Christ, arise. And about 30 or 40 seconds later, this woman, her color came back into her face and she arose. And whatever issue she had before, she did not have that issue be, uh, at that moment. And everybody began to jump up and, and praise God. So that was a moment of really seeing uh, the power of God uh, manifested. Wow. Wow, that's amazing just to hear a story like that. You know, and Alfonso, I just, you know, it's just interesting to me because you basically, you, you're, you, you, your earliest childhood memories are in the Quincy congregation. Um, maybe just talk about some things you saw growing up in that church. Okay, well. Actually, my early childhood memory was a miracle, was a similar situation. And um, I remember we had this brother visiting. He was uh, from the New, New Jersey. I'm, I'm sure you might know him, Brother Josh, Brother Arthur Searcy. You might have been, yeah. And um, he was visiting our branch. And um, on our ministry, we have two side doors. Uh, one leads to the kitchen. The other one leads to uh, uh, one of our Sunday school rooms that you can actually go to the bathroom. And um, we was in the middle of uh, finishing up our service, uh, Sunday school, and we was getting ready to start our preaching service. So the ministry usually meet in the back. I mean, I was seven years old. Usually, I'm sure, say a prayer before they start the meeting. And um, two of the brothers were sitting on the rostrum, and Brother Arthur apparently was coming out of the bathroom. And as he walked out the door, he stepped down. It's a, it's a one step onto the rostrum. And um, he, he fell over and he grabbed his chest grabs his chest and um we have a sister in our church sister Meredith Martin she's a registered nurse uh so of course she she ran up and uh checked him and you know she put I saw her put a hand on her arm or neck and um he she said he was he was dead he was dead died of a heart attack and again a situation that I do not recall the ministry jumping on the phone kind of calling 911 brother Cleveland Baldwin which is the was the presiding elder he said, bring me the oil. And they uh, set him up, Brother Cleve anointed him. And again, this brother in a couple of seconds went from dead and arose up uh, and didn't call the doctor, didn't go to the hospital. That was the first miracle I saw. And it was a moment in my life, I said, wow. That's how I want to be. I would love, I want to be a minister after that. That was just a passion of fire because I mean, 
it, I mean, as a child, I was like a superhero. I mean, to really see something. And I can say in my life uh, that um, I, I depend upon the prayers of the ministry uh, and have brought me through my life. So that was the first, my own experience of seeing the power of God. And um, I carry that same uh, model in, in my ministry. As you know, I raised my children. My children, uh, they know uh, when they're sick, you know, of course, I have all faith and trust in doctors I love, but I know our first line of defense is prayer first, and um, it, it, it works for us. I know I remember my son, he was born, he was, I think, maybe uh, two or three months old, and um, right uh, above, right below his navel, he had two cysts about the size of a 50 cents piece, and um, as I was a minister then, and, um, you know, sometimes as ministers, you get to the point where you can't even pray. I was there. I mean, uh, we was my wife and I was battle, battling. Do we call the doctors? It was a Saturday night. Do we take them to the emergency room, or do we wait to go to church in the morning? I mean, we battled. He was in pain. Uh, I mean, as as a as a as parents, that's a hard decision. And um, you can tell that something was wrong because even his eyes was real yellow, yellow. And um, we was concerned. And my wife, I said, well. You know, I give in. We can we can go to the emergency room. She said, we'll, we'll just wait it out. And um, so we waited out. I mean, we we suffered. We, we was in turmoil all night. And we got to church that um, Sunday morning. And actually, we had a, a visiting brother from Michigan uh, that visited our branch that day. And um, as we began uh, our Sunday school and was getting ready to start, he was in he was in uh, lifted by the spirit. And um, not knowing the situation, I never shared it, but he knew something was wrong. And um, he asked my wife to bring my son up. Uh, and he brought my son up and he anointed him. And that was on Sunday. And I think it was Tuesday morning. Uh, we woke up, those cysts was gone. Was gone, they disappeared. And I know that was another miracle of God. My son is actually his birthday is today, 20 years old. Uh, never had a major illness or anything, but I know that was a miracle that, again, he was able to witness as well the power of God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is great. So, uh, Josh, I just have a quick question for you. Your father is actually the president of the Church of Jesus Christ. So I'd like for you to maybe tell me a story that maybe you're of something your father witnessed a miracle that you maybe your father witnessed in the past before you were even born. Oh, that's a, that's fun. Um, there's a couple things running through my mind real fast with you bringing that up off the cuff, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my dad being in a train station in Rome on a missionary trip. Um, it's a story I've heard since I was shorter than the desk I'm sitting at here today. So my dad was on a, uh, maybe a three week mission trip going throughout Italy. And there was a lot of opposition in the trip at that time. And there were a lot of different experiences. And as the trip was wrapping up the, my father and the brother who was with him, brother John D. Batista, they were ending their portion of the trip. And they were getting ready to fly out home the next day. And they were in the middle of this transition of the trip, but they were completely out of money. 
they had, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how much it was, but Rome is one of the most expensive cities in the world. And they did not have enough for a hotel. They didn't have enough for a meal. And so they get off the train station in Rome their bags are with them. It's at the end of the trip. There's not a branch of the church in Rome or somewhere for them to kind of lodge with the saints or something. So they didn't really have any options here at the end. And so they were standing there and looking at each other and just, what are we going to do? And my dad said, well, let's pray. So in the middle of the train station in one of the busiest train systems in Europe, they grab hands and offer a prayer and ask the Lord to send somebody to help them. And a young man came up to my dad and brother John and said, hi, I'm dot, dot, dot. I'm here to help you. My dad heard one name. John heard a different name. And they, nothing was clicking yet about what God was doing. The young man whips out a cell phone starts uh, making a phone call for them. He ended up booking them a brand new hotel that had just opened. John and, and Joel, John and my dad, were the first ones to ever spend the night in that room, that night in that hotel, the equivalent of a five-star hotel. And they got it for, I don't know what the dollar amount was, but it was less than, it was like the equivalent of paying a hostel amount for something that was at the five-star level so much that they had enough left over to buy a pizza and Coke afterwards. The man went to the street with them, haggled the, I mean, absolutely haggled in perfect. He spoke perfect English, then turned around and spoke perfect Italian and was haggling the rate of the fare of the taxi. And then he turns around to them and in perfect English says, you're going to pay this much, not a penny more. That's the rate. It's going to get you from here to there. And all of a sudden, no plans turned into everything is perfectly in order and straight. And they have enough. And not only do they have enough, but there's plenty. And God took care of them each step of the way. They turned to thank the man on the street and he was completely gone. <laughs> now, at the same time that that was going on, the church in California was meeting on Sunday. Okay. Or maybe it was a Wednesday night service. I, you know, this is an off, I don't have all the notes in front of me. I'm just pulling this out from memory, but the church in California in Irvine, one of the churches, one of the branches out there was meeting and there was a brother speaking and another brother stood up, interrupted the speaking and said, brothers, stop. Joel and John are in trouble. They need our prayers right now. Now this is before this is early 90s. This is satellite phone era. This is not a quick email or a quick, hey, pray for us or a quick text from around the world. At, and when you backtracked everything of what God was doing, that inspiration in California happened at the very moment our brother stepped off of the train station, the exact moment. And then when the brothers got out and they began sharing the testimonies of this trip, and there were many blessings there were actually two different visions on one Sunday when Brother John was sharing this back at the California branch, one from a young boy and one from an adult, where they saw an angel standing behind Brother John. And the Lord spoke and said, this is the messenger I sent to my servants when they were in Rome. And 
actually the word of the Lord came forth in New York when my dad was sharing that same Sunday in Rochester and the interpretation and the word of the Lord that came forth was I sent my messenger to be with my servants when they were in trouble in Rome. So we believe in the ministering of angels as a church and we've experienced that. And I think that would be one experience where we would believe that uh, God sent somebody to help the brothers when they were in, in great need. So that's, that's one of the experiences that I remember from my dad early as he was an evangelist in the field before he was ever an apostle or ever president of the church. So I I just have a quick question about your, the church in Italy. Did, did you guys have congregations way back in like the around the early 20th century or when was your church established in Italy? Yeah. So what happened was actually, and brother Al jump in, you, you know, this probably as well as I do, you know, I, what happened in the early 1900s there as the Pittsburgh church was growing, okay, and expanding and networking throughout the Italian immigrant community, they had families back in Italy. And that's how the church went back to Italy was through the families of some of the converts from that era. So Italy is probably our oldest internet, well, maybe besides Canada and I don't know, Canada, Mm -hmm. Mexico, Italy, probably some of the oldest. Okay, so uh, I just have a quick question because I, as I recall, in the 1920s, the Catholic Church started persecuting Pentecostals. And the reason why I know this story is because one of the first things Pope Francis did was when he became Pope, was he met with the, Pentecost- the Pentecostal community in Italy and asked for forgiveness for what they did. I was wondering, oh, wow. is, was your church involved in any of those talks? We were persecuted. both in Italy and in the States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There were times when, now uh, there's a a booklet the church has that's available for free on our church website. That's a testimony of Ishmael D'Amico. And he shares about the gospel going into Detroit. And actually the, what is remembered there is that the bishop over the Catholic Church hired mafia members to kill our ministry because we were converting so many Catholics in Detroit that they were viewed as a threat. And the mafia members went into Ishmael, knife at the hilt, and raised his arm to stab Ishmael. And Ishmael cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, if this is my time, let it be by your hand, Lord, and not by the hands of these men. And when he said that, the knife shattered in the man's hand and uh, fell to the floor. And when it did, he ran back and told the bishop that uh, basically, uh, if you want to kill him, kill him yourself. These men are protected by God. Cool. (laughs) Amazing. Wow. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Yeah. So this is really uh, powerful just to hear these stories. And and, and I, I want my LDS audience, as well as my evangelical audience to kind of hear these stories and, and ponder them because they're, it's really fascinating. And I'm, I'm hearing these for the very first time. So it's, it's really remarkable. Um, while you think of maybe some more stories you'd like to tell, Josh, whether it's a story about your dad or some other uh, miracles that maybe you've witnessed and stuff, I want to just throw it over to Alfonso and just maybe, uh, maybe you could ch- chime in here and maybe tell us some, some other, some other uh, events and happenings and stories that have happened in your church and, and what you've experienced. You know, one recent one, it was actually with my daughter, and um, it was, um, my daughter, she was out with her friends one day, and um, she was maybe, I think, 16 or 17 at that time, and 
I don't know what happened, but she got in some accident uh, and she came home and her mouth was just bloody and one of her front tooth uh, was knocked out. And my, I mean, I have a beautiful daughter and Josh have met her. And um, uh, one of the friends had her, her, her tooth in a cup and um, it was um, late, like nine or 10 o'clock. And we say, uh, we was getting ready to take her to the emergency room. Uh, actually we did, my wife took her to the emergency room and um, they, they didn't have any uh, dentists on, on site. I said, well, uh, it's nothing we can do. It's like a Sunday evening, um, just have to wait uh, the next day. And probably at this point, uh, it's nothing we can do. Uh, we can't save the tooth and she's probably gonna end up getting a, 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 a piece or whatever you call it, implant is what he said. Uh, and just the, the look on my daughter's face, it was just, uh, it was heartbreaking. So it was like 12 o'clock at night, uh, we got back home and looking at my daughter in anguish. And I mean, looking at her, her, her face was just, uh, as a father, uh, it was just heartbreaking. And uh, seeing this tooth, I'm, I'm like, well, I know what God can do. And I looked at my daughter I said, do you believe the Lord could help you? I said, I'm gonna grab this tooth and put it back in your mouth. Do you believe and trust? And she looked at me and said, I believe. So I laid her down. Uh, again, I don't know, I don't have a clue of what I'm doing to the point where I grabbed this tooth and I put it in her mouth and I actually had to uh, break through the skin. Uh, and I, did the best I can, I don't know. And I anointed her and just prayed, Lord, you know, I don't know, remember what I said, but I know, Lord, this is all we got. I, I know my daughter, Pepper, she said she believed. And the next day, which was, I think it was a Monday, my wife and I took her to the, uh, to the our local eye dentist. And um, she looked, she ran this race, she, she asked, well, uh, who did this or, or what happened? And we explained to her and, and I mean, she probably thought I was crazy. And she ran the x-ray, she said, it's unbelievable. She said, nothing I can do. The nerves, the tissue, bone, everything has, I mean, her, it's perfect. Only thing I need to do is just file it down just a little bit because uh, you didn't put it in for enough. I mean, that was it. And that's the miracle. And my daughter was able to witness that miracle and Josh seen her smile. She got a beautiful smile. Awesome. Uh, we know it was the power of God, no doubt, because uh, even the dentist realized that, look, there's nothing I can do. So again, that was a, a miracle that my daughter was able to witness and she believed uh, that God was able to do it and he did it. Wow. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Wow. This is, uh, Josh, this is really, I'm glad you came up with this idea because this is really fascinating stuff. You know, and of course I come from a charismatic background and I'm familiar with hearing stories, similar stories growing up as well. And uh, this really resonates with me. So, uh, Josh, what do you got? <laughs> well, and we praise the Lord for your stories as well, Stephen. And, you know, we believe God works with people all around this world in, in mighty ways. So I, we thank God for that. Um, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be in the field with Brother Alfonso in Africa. And we've seen some of the miracles together. So I can, I can share one where he's my witness and then maybe pull up another, another couple from trips I've had uh, in the mission field, although he's certainly blessed our home as well. Yeah. But, you know, Brother Al and I, one time we were on a, a trip and 
to get from one area of Mozambique to the other area of Mozambique, you have to go back up into Malawi because Malawi, cut, you know, Mozambique is like a big Y at the northern part and Malawi comes through like a peninsula into the Y. So sometimes to get across the border, you have to go up and across and around to make it the best way to get to a different place. So we had to do that on one portion of one of our trips. And as we were uh, heading up, we were in an area that was very remote where we had been. And the lodging was, uh, well, we've got spider stories from the lodging spot to where we were. And, you know, you're showering with a little ladle and a bucket. And, you know, we were in the, we were pretty far out there. And coming up and around into the other side, we needed gas. I mean, we needed gas, but Malawi's landlocked. So we come up into Malawi and they were in the middle of a fuel shortage, which we did not know at the time that comes and goes over there. $5 a gallon would be a luxury for them sometimes. And so we pull up and our tank is below the E, the lights on, and we stop, but there's a half mile line, at least from where we are to the nearest gas station in the city of where we're at. And we're just in the middle of this line and we're trying to get across the border before dark. And I have no idea if there was even gas in the gas station. I don't know. I mean, but even if there was, it would have taken us, I'd imagine at least a full day of waiting and probably pushing the car to get into the gas station. So we didn't, we didn't have any options. So we shut the car off and we were all in the car together and there's five of us and we just said a prayer. And after we said, amen, one of the brothers said, whoever was with us, start the car. So we start the car up and we watched a tank that was on E go up to just under half, just under half, not full. I love, I've turned into this into a bunch of sermons, not full. He gave us just enough, just enough. So we left the country, took, flew down that little car, get to the border, cross the border. And now we're on E again, because you're driving for hours and hours after this. Okay. Not a short drive. All right. And now we're at the bottom of E again, but we're back into Mozambique, cross the border, pull up to a little village where kids had gas. They were selling out of pop cans and they filled us up. They filled up our tank, you know, so, but it's just these amazing God moments. Okay. Of him giving us, he could have given us full, but I love the fact that he didn't, he gave us enough to get to where we needed to do, to do the work that we needed to do for him. And to me, that's just, just awesome. You know, uh, a different trip. I was in one of these remote areas where actually we, we tent camp in Northern Mozambique on the East side of the Zambezi went through a 17 year civil war and Portugal supported the South. The Northeast is left to rot and it still rots today. You know, there's no electricity. It's just bombed out. Any buildings that are there, you still see the shells of what's in fact at the border. They, they always try and take any phones that would have pictures of it. They don't want people to see it. You know, but it, it is what it is. There's just no infrastructure. Everybody's a substance farmer. God bless them. It's beautiful. And, you know, they're, they're hardworking, Lord loving people. And so we were deep in the bush on this trip. And we were so far out there that I didn't have a translator that could speak uh, 
English well enough to translate from English into Chichewa and then go from Chichewa into another tribal language called Sena. And so we told the brothers that were missionaries with us from Malawi going into Mozambique with us, you brothers preach, you know, God bless you, we support you, but it makes no sense to have two translators up front. So just have at it, brothers. And they did, and they're, they're gifted brothers, and they did what the Lord called them to do. We have the same calling. It doesn't matter where they're from. And, you know, the, the Lord was uh, blessing our preacher, but our translator that had taken the gospel into this portion of these villages, he was the only speaker that could translate from Chichewa to Sena, and he had a speech impediment. He has a speech impediment, and Brother Francisco has a speech impediment or Fernando, Fernando, excuse me, brother Fernando has a speech impediment and translating is hard enough. I mean, every Sunday in my branch, well, I have a translator. Our congregation in Erie does a lot of outreach with Congolese. We, I have, uh, my brother, uh, Chibunga Vital is at my left every Sunday, translating into Swahili on Sundays in Erie. I mean, um, you know, I, you know, it, it's work. And but if you have a speech impediment, it's it's nigh impossible. And our brother was struggling, and uh, struggling, struggling, stuttering, stuttering, stopping, long pauses. And we're just sitting up. We're just praying for him. We're, Lord, bless our brother. Be with our brother, Lord. Help him, Lord. You see him. He's putting in the work. Here's a humble bread. Doesn't get much more humiliating than that, right? putting yourself out there like that. And as we're all up front saying our silent prayers, I watched the Lord perform one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it got better. It got smoother. And then all of a sudden, it was just like having Brother Vital next to me in Erie. All of a sudden, Brother Julius is preaching and Brother Fernando's preaching and, and they're just in, in that harmony of a good speaker-translator flow. And the speech impediment was gone. But God wasn't done yet. A couple minutes later, all of a sudden, the brothers went in sync. And there was no longer a preacher and a translator. There was two brothers in unity in the spirit preaching the same sermon in two different languages at the same time, with no gap, no stop, no break. It was perfect and flawless. So not only did God take care of our brother's impediment, but he delivered the message perfectly. And, and there was no confusion about it, even though they were both going at the same time. There was this harmony of the spirit that flowed out upon the congregation. Malawian, Mozambican, or American, we all had our cell phones out recording a live miracle because we were all astounded at what every single one of us had our phones out, uh, no matter whether we were African or American, because we were watching God do something awesome. Later that trip, uh, we were doing uh, a number of ordinations. And I had, uh, was part of, I was a young minister this trip. I was, you know, early in my ministry, I was in my 20s. And there was a, one of my first ministerial boards, and we had like 20 some ordinations to do that Sunday to staff the work and the growth that was going on in that portion of the country. 
And as we were interviewing one of the first candidates, I felt very strongly in the spirit. The brother was, yes, confirming, yes, this brother's called. And I felt this overwhelming confirmation in the spirit. I was called to ordain him. I was called to offer the prayer. And then again, an overwhelming confirmation in the spirit that I should offer that prayer in Spanish. And when I heard that, my little debate with the Lord internally in my head started to go because, and the, you know, I help oversee the church in Guatemala right now. And the Guatemalan church really gets a kick out of it because they know how bad my Spanish is. All right. So, and so I'm in the ministerial board, literally having this conversation with the Lord, like, Lord, that I'm going to first, nobody here speaks Spanish. Nobody here does. And my Spanish isn't really, Lord, what? And when it got time to do the ordinations, we ordained the ministry first, right? So they can participate immediately in the other ordinations. And this brother, Brother Pedro, was up first. And the Spirit took over, and I took the oil and anointed our brother and began to ordain him into the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I went in Spanish. And when I ran out of words, I switched to, it was a great Spanglish prayer. I switched to English. When I found words, I switched back to Spanish and ended the prayer in English and said amen and stepped up. And I knew something had happened, but I didn't know what. I found out that night that I was the only one that heard that, that the congregation and the ministry heard fluent Portuguese. And God had given me the gift of tongues before the congregation. And so... Um, I don't speak Portuguese. I can barely speak English, but I, I thank God for what he does. Um, we've had powerful experiences in the mission field in Africa and powerful experiences at home and powerful experiences in Guatemala. And God's been so, so good to us. I'll share one more, Stephen, that just, just popped into my head. I'll pass it back to you. I don't want to just ramble on, but it's just so wonderful to talk about the things of God tonight. I hope it fills people's spirits the same way as it fills us when we're doing that work. You know, I, there was the last, we just had brothers get back from Guatemala first time since the pandemic. I was the trip in February, 2020, right before the pandemic was shutting everything down. So at that time they were going through a drought in the city and we wanted to stay in the saints homes and just be with them and have that time with them in Guatemala city. And, but there was this drought and issue of water and not having enough water. And we, we told the saints, we're just going to trust in God. And if we need to, we'll go out and we'll buy some ridiculous amount of bottled water or big jugs, like office jugs, whatever we need, we'll do, but we want to be with the saints. And that was acceptable. They accepted that plan. And, and we stepped out in faith that way. And we landed into Guatemala City, get into the home of our newly ordained elder and his family, a newly ordained minister, pastor for us. We use that word elder. And, you know, we were getting ready to, uh, and we, we walk into the doors. Brother Neri was still at work. We come into the doors. Sister Amelia is baptizing the house in Clorox praising God. Every spigot is on in her house. Her shower's on. Everything's on. And everything's pouring out water, pouring out. And she's putting pans under it and buckets under it and big giant tubs. And she's praising God. She's got a mop out and she was cleaning every inch of that house. 
And it, they had more water there than they'd had in, I don't know how long. And she was just thanking God. The missionaries came and God provided the water, but God wasn't done yet. So we spent the whole week there bringing the saints into that home, doing our ministry training there, doing our, our lot of different meetings there, flushing toilets. And, you know, I'm an American. I'm not, I try to conserve water. I'm not fantastic at conserving water when it comes to a, a, a bucket shower or what, you know, I'm not great at this, you know, so the spigots there were always on just water wasn't coming out. Right. So, you know, but everything was overflowing when we get there. And then for the next 10 days that we were there, 10 days, no matter how much we used and no matter how far down these, these showers had these humongous giant tubs to collect the water underneath it with the spigot on just in case a dribble came out. No matter how much we used, no matter how far that went down, at some point during the day, we would start to hear a trickle. And it would reach the brim and it would never overflow. Every single thing would reach the brim and then it would cut out again. And then the next day would happen and we'd be using the water and it would go down. And then at some point during the day, we'd hear that trickle just enough to fill everything up to the brim. And by the end of the trip, late at night in that house, our minister, his daughter's wife all around, we were, they were just in awe of the fact of how God had provided the water throughout the entire time that we were in the city. God was with us through no matter how much we used, no matter how many people were over, God provided exactly what we needed and filled the water back up to the brim every day and no more, but up to the brim. Wow. Interesting. So I, you know, one, one of the things I was just thinking about was, you know, I have a lot of atheists that watch my program. A lot of people who maybe at one time were believers and no longer are a lot of ex-Mormons. I love atheists. Yeah, me too. I was one at one time. So, amen. <laughs> so you atheists out there, you're probably sitting there, like, oh, okay. but you know, this is the thing. It's important that these stories be told because this is part of the story of the church of Jesus Christ. And so even if you just want to look at it as an anthropo cultural anthropologist, I'm collecting stories as well. So look at it that way. Okay. And appreciate these stories because I think they're pretty remarkable and I love hearing them and I'm being blessed by you guys sharing them with me. So thank you, Josh. So Alfonso, why don't you uh, pipe in now? <laughs> I'm loving it. I mean, you know, hearing um, miracles and testimonies, that's have always excited me, always, because um, I don't think we share them enough. You know, we can, so many bad things and sad things that we can talk about, and you don't very rarely hear of the good things being talked about. So I, I love to know that um, what we believe uh, in the word of God, that we can actually see those things uh, uh, come to pass and actually uh, sharing the experience of it because we know the word of God says it's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we're constantly reminded of that. And um, I remember um, this is my father-in-law. Uh, he was he was not baptized at this time. And um, his daughter uh, had this uh, had a had a baby and I think she was about three or three years old. I think her name is Olivia. And I'm um, actually uh, she came had 
this rare brain disease, rare. And um, the doctors pretty much said, we never seen this, we don't understand it. And honestly, it's, it's nothing that we can do. Uh, and to hear that from a doctor, I mean, of course, that's just heartbreaking. And um, like I say, Brother Frankie was not baptized at the time. And um, my mother-in-law, uh, you know, asked, would you like for our ministry to come in and pray for your, 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 your granddaughter? He said, sure. So I know myself, my wife, and my grandfather, we all uh, went to, actually, we was going to Lafayette for a family reunion, Lafayette, in Indiana. And um, we said, okay, well, when we get there, uh, we'll go by the hospital and um, we'll pray for the baby. And um, we went and um, just to see this baby with all these machines and tubes, I mean, you know, I'm not a hospital person. I, I, I don't like them and it just makes me just eerie because uh, you just go into prayer. You just, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking uh, to see this. And, um, you know, it was one of those situations where uh, looking at his face, looking at this daughter, uh, and I just asked, I remember asking my family, could we just hold hands and just pray? I just want to make sure that whatever it is, Lord, uh, move me out the way, uh, get my heart right, whatever it is, uh, what I may be lacking in, we just need you to show up. I remember knowing this baby uh, and asking Lord to, to raise her, to heal her. And um, I, I remember a couple of days later, Brother Frank had called uh, my mother-in-law and she called, she said, she went back to the doctor, the doctors came in and said, you know, cause they had sent her home. Said, well, we don't know what happened, but whatever was there is not there anymore. And your daughter is perfectly fine. So again, that's a miracle from God. And she's what, 13 years old right now. So again, it's a miracle that God, whatever it was, we know even the doctors recognize it. Whatever was there is not there anymore. And it just goes to show that uh, miracles haven't ceased. And I, know God always come through and he, you know, when we trust and believe in, in some situations, we know that he allowed things to happen for a wise purpose. And the end game is God want to be glorified and we give him all the glory, Brother Josh said. Amen. Wow. This is wonderful. I love the hearing and this is very edifying, I hope, to my audience as well as to me. Um, I thank you so much, uh, brothers, for sharing all of this. This is really awesome. You know, I just wanted to... Um, before we we wind this up, because there's a few things I want to talk about, uh, Josh, was there any was there any other miracle story that you felt the audience needed to hear before we we move to a different area? No, I'm I'm great. I the only thing I would say is I I'd be remiss if I didn't thank God for healing my daughter last year. Yeah, um, that's right. She was born with a genetic deficiency, and and I I'm not gonna I don't want to drag it on, and maybe that's for a different day, but she was anointed and she was healed and she's healthy and crying upstairs right now with her mother. So it's, <laughs> I awesome. thank, I thank God for that. And I'm, uh, I'm no less thankful for my healthy son, Josiah, that was born, you know, and, and there's so many parents that go through so many things and, and there are difficult roads that different parents have to face, but I, I thank God. And I thank, I praise his name and I would be remiss if I didn't praise him mm -hmm. for healing my daughter, Phoebe. Now, I just want to say, folks, I've been able to spend time with Josh and his family, and they're a beautiful family, and and uh, I love them very much. And your daughter is doing awesome. And <laughs> she's uh, awesome. She's healed. Yeah. She yeah. is healed. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love you it. Know, Steve, I'd like to just share. Uh, I consider it a miracle for me because um, I think last August, my daughter uh, was killed in a car accident. 
Okay. Uh, 19 years old. And, uh, you know, of course, we have shared all these wonderful things of how God has used us. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. this happened. And I was, we, we was hurt. We was hurt. My family, even as, as, as a minister, you know, we know we still have to carry on. And um, I, I just didn't know how to fix this or even how to say, Lord, I don't want this to disrupt. I trust, I believe, no matter what, I still choose and trust you. And um, I remember actually reaching out to Brother Josh because trying to plan the funeral and the Lord, uh, I asked Josh to uh, perform uh, uh, the funeral for, for us. And of course, my family probably didn't understand why would I call this white brother in. Uh, I mean, really, but this is what the Lord told me. I said, Brother Josh, uh, he gladly accepted Brother Al, I do whatever you can. I don't know, but I know I need some help because right now I don't understand it. I trust, I believe, but it's just something I don't quite understand. And Josh, actually, the Lord touched him and his message was tragedy to triumph. That's what I needed to hear. That consoled me. That gave me comfort. And Brother Josh probably can share something on that. But I know uh, that's a miracle in my life because um I, I'm not saying I was on the brink of anything. I just was at a standstill. And that revived me, gave me some insight. Even as a minister, you know, we we have our ups and downs. And but that's that was my revitalization. Uh, and I know God used him uh to help, I would say, restore my family. Oh wow. Wow, that's that's I'm glad that's thank you for sharing that. So I just I actually just real quick, I just thought, okay, so Josh, your the your website of your church is churchofjesuschrist.com. The the churchofjesuschrist.org or com both work, but okay. the the article there is really important. If you don't put the T-H-E there at the beginning, you're you're gonna land at the the uh much bigger organization's uh front front steps, which is fine <laughs> if that's where you want to go. Uh, but our church is, is the church of Jesus And one of the reasons I wanted to ask you to tell, share us with that was because if people are interested in attending a local congregation, for instance, you're based in Erie, Pennsylvania, and Alfonso, you're in South Bend, Indiana. So you can go to the website. Now, Alfonso and Josh, let me, let me just ask you, uh, first of all, Alfonso, when are your service times? And do you have like a, a Sunday service, a Wednesday service? Maybe just tell us a little bit about the frequency of your services. Yes, we have a, uh, Wednesday night service uh, starts at 7.30, usually lasts for about an hour and a half. We have a, a Sunday service. Uh, Sunday school usually starts about 10.30, 10.30 to 10.45. Uh, preaching service starts about 11, and usually about 12.30, uh, 1 o'clock, we're, we're done. Okay. And then, how, Josh, how about your church? Yeah, 945, we start our Sunday school or our Bible study lesson, you know, at, at 945 and worship service starts around 11. Uh, sometimes that trickles into 1115, but we're, we're you, you know, we shoot for that 11 a.m. Uh, 11 a.m. start. And it, I'd say we usually are, are wrapping things up, although we don't put a cap on it, usually wrap up around one. Uh, first Sunday of the month, we have lunch together. Um, and every Wednesday we do something that's very targeted with our group. So first Sunday, the ministry take the kids and then one minister or uh, a teacher there teaches an adult class. So we break it up. And then the next Wednesday, this is just what we do. I mean, the next Wednesday we have, uh, uh, just kids, kids only, you know, boost in that ministry as an outreach and promotion. All kids are welcome. And we do a kids, the ministry runs it. 
And then third is ladies. Uh, the ladies gather because we have a lot of young families. So doing it this way, like for the ladies only gives them oh. a meeting and mm -hmm. I'm home with my kids, putting them to bed. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So our Wednesdays are at six o'clock, but there's different structure to it. Our fourth Wednesday is all our teens. We do a teens usually, I mean, we might be at somebody's house doing a bonfire or doing an activity, but it's our teen group. And then if there is a fifth, we're all together doing probably a prayer meeting or something like that. So Wednesday's at six for us, but we have different things going on. Yeah. So I've been in touch with a Christian um, in near Mesa, Arizona, who um, was interested in Mormonism, a regular listener to Mormon stories. And then he came across my program and he heard me talk about your church and he has since visited your church. And he That's said, awesome. he, he was given he goes there and he says, I, 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 they ask, well, how'd you hear about us? Well, about Steve Peinecker. Oh yeah, we know Steve. <laughs> and they gave him a leather bound Book of Mormon and we're doing a Zoom call. And he says, Steve, a month ago, I would have never imagined I'd have a book, of, allow a Book of Mormon in my house. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, so I just, the reason I say it is that all are welcome to come. I really encourage a spirit, especially spirit filled Christians like okay if you're charismatic and you believe in the gifts are operational for today um, and you just want to go to a church that loves Jesus and uh, you want to worship with some some people I, I guarantee you if you attend a Church of Jesus Christ service you are going to feel uh, it's going to get a, a recharge you're going to get you're going to feel good you're, you're going to be blessed so I want to just tell people seek out your local local Church of Jesus Christ congregation but how many congregations do you have in North America Josh and uh, in, in the U.S., we're yeah. close to 80 okay. across North America. We're over 100. I, you know, I don't know, you know, when you add Mexico and Canada right. and Guatemala and what, you know, okay. um, and the church went to Cuba this year. So yes, there's... I want to ask you about that. So yeah. uh, when I was at your preaching service, we have all those evangelists flew in from the country at about, about 20 of them or so, a little over 20. And one of the one of the gentlemen was talking about. Um, how you have some remarkable occurrences happen to start a church in Cuba. So why don't you give us an update on that? Yeah, there's, uh, there's currently, I believe, three missions established in, in Cuba this year. And uh, uh, I think there's at least as many ministers and, and deaconesses, many deaconesses and teachers. And basically, there was a, a, a relatively young man, maybe in between Alfonso and my age, that was interested and had been directed by the Lord with a number of experiences, reached out to the church and, and the doors were wide open. So there's uh, actually, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see this turn into our, one of our strongest areas in, in Central America, just seeing how quickly the Lord is moving there and the experiences that are happening. Um, you know, on the first trip, the brothers were brought into you know, basically a, a government officials meeting, they, you know, he had gone to the place where they were staying and said, Hey, you will, you know, you'll be at my place at 9am. You'll be in my office at 9am tomorrow. And when a, when a government official, that's what you do there, you know, communist country, right? You, they set that rule. So uh, they went in and when the first brother was going in for his one-on-one -on -one interview with this official, a brother had a vision and he saw an angel going in with them. And at that point, the brothers knew that everything was going to be okay. The long and the short of it is that actually that government official brought everybody in at the end, apologized to the group and dismissed them with his support. Um, 
when they were sharing that on the taxi ride cab back to Havana, the taxi driver said, I, I can't even believe that story. That government official would be, would lose his job and lose his post if it was found out that he had apologized to a foreigner. Wow. Um, so uh, the angel was truly there in that meeting uh, with yeah. the brothers. So uh, the church is growing in Cuba. I, I'm sure the brothers that have been on those trips would have a lot more to say and share, but there's been a lot of blessings there. And we thank God for, for his direction and guidance and, and opening those doors for that country. So one of the things I'm really interested in, too, is that you guys are coming soon is in the Navajo Nation, you guys are going to be having a tent revival service. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're, we really, our church loves the indigenous peoples of the Americas and tries to do a lot of outreach and sharing the message of Christ and his covenants with his people. And so uh, next week, I'll fly out on Monday, and there will already be a, a team in place there. And we're doing a tent revival week. Uh, there's activities and VBS happening all week for the little kids. There are teenager materials, sports activities, and evening services targeting youth, teens, and 20s. And that group has been hit hard by COVID because COVID in the on the Navajo reservation has been rampant. And there have been a lot of deaths, much higher rates on the reserve than around the world and in the US. And because of that, a lot of these young people have lost grandparents. And many times it's the grandparents that have been raising them. There, there's a lot of issues there and a lot of struggle. So our hearts break for if, if anybody from the Navajo Nation is on just know we love you. And our prayers are with you, and we can't wait to be there and support you and just lift you up for a week. And, and there's a, there's a, we have a mission in Say Benito there that is there and equipped to carry this on. But we're looking to, and adults, obviously, there's activities for them for the evening services. So we want to bring Christ and, and bring a revival um, to the people there on that reservation um, and let the, the name of the Lord be risen high. Uh, there. So that's the goal for the week. And I am so excited to be back on a plane and get back into the field again. This is my first trip post-COVID. So oh, I'm ready to go. Great. Uh, well, first trip on a plane for the church post-COVID. So got I'm it. Got to, it. Ready to rock I've been to Salt Lake City four times in the last yeah. year. So it's got an old hat, but I'm really excited to hear about that. Now, Alfonso, I want to actually, actually thank you so much for sharing uh, the stories, not only the miracle stories, but also about your family, you know, the healing with your daughter, but then also you know, the tragedy that happened. Um, so I want to thank you for opening up and sharing that with the audience. I really do appreciate it. So I'm just going to go to both of you and say, okay, is there any final words that you would like to impart to the audience? Alfonso, why don't you go first, if you have something to share? First of all, I'd like to uh, thank you, Steve, even for what you're doing. And um, I just thank God for technology and so many means and ways to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, even just share mere truth. And I think that's the most important things too. I would just like to say to the audience, thank you for listening. Um, uh, I can just say God is good. I mean, you know, I love the Lord uh, in this crazy world that we live in. Uh, I just know it's something that we have to believe in. And I have, I, I trust and I believe as the word of God says that um, we trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him. And he was direct that path. We have to just trust because it's so much bigger than us. And I know I've learned in my life that everybody needs somebody. And I know the Church of Jesus Christ, 
There's one sister that stands up and testify every Sunday. She says, the love of God brought me and the truth kept me. So I know it's the love and it's the truth. And that's something no matter which branch of mission you go to throughout the United States or the world, you will see that same love and hear that same truth. May God bless you. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you. Josh, any word, final words? I like Brother Alfonso's words there. I'm, I'm content with those. And I just, I guess I would just say too that you know, I, I have an anthropology degree. So when you brought that up, Stephen, that, that rang true to my heart. And I've, you know, been in, in that environment. And for those that are skeptical in our world today, uh, I think they have every reason to be. There's so many times when uh, the world seems like a, a very lonely place and seems like a place where maybe our prayers are, are reaching a ceiling and maybe aren't breaking through. And I sympathize with that. And just would testify that I, I think God is real and that Christ is risen from the tomb. And I do believe he has a kingdom on the earth in the church of Jesus Christ. And I celebrate that and just uh, invite the skeptic to pray and continue praying, even when the days are dark, even when it doesn't feel like there's somebody on the other side of that ceiling that I believe he's there and in his own timing, he can answer. And that would be my plea for someone that might be questioning. I embrace the questioning. I embrace the skepticism and would encourage you to continue seeking. Thank you so much, Josh, for sharing that with the audience. Because again, I have a very diverse audience and I want to acknowledge all the voices of the restoration on this program and that all the, their, those voices will be heard. So Afonso and Josh, thank you so much for coming on. And I thank you, Stephen, very, very much. It's a, a joy to be with you. And thank you. All right. Awesome sauce. So, hey, next time you fly, you're flying into Florida, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll be your ride just like last I'm time. I'm yours. I'm yours. <laughs> so I just want to thank my audience for watching. I want to remind you to like and subscribe. And don't forget to hit the notification button for when a new episode comes out. Also, uh, don't forget, you can support us on both Patreon and PayPal. And I want to thank my donors. Also, uh, our our platform around almost all the major podcast platforms so if you're apple or spotify whatever you can uh, get uh, get our episodes on there now anthony's in the process we had a little glitch so we're a little behind on the podcast format but we'll be getting the audio and within the next few days we'll start uploading some more stuff as well um and folks thank you so much for taking this time to watch i hope that you were blessed by it hopefully it gives you food for thought and again i just love all of you and uh, be well